0: Hello everyone, and welcome to our cast and crew Q&A. My name is Jup, and today I hijack this channel to interview our host Lena. Lena is an editor and organizer for the Crone of Thorns project, dealing mostly with the social media aspect. She also voices Mary Hodges and Rashid Bhatia and is the host of the Crone of Thorns cast and crew Q&As. She found out about Good Omens through the TV show around fall 2019 but decided to read the book first and ended up loving both. Lena had dipped her toes in before, but it's been with the Good Omens fandom that she's really dived in, so upon hearing about the project, she knew she'd love to participate. It's by far the largest project she's been a part of, and she's thrilled about what's to come. Outside of fandom, Lena is a biologist and has recently started a YouTube channel focused on her writing. Hello, Lina. Welcome for your interview.
1: Hi, I'm happy to be here.
0: Tell us something about yourself that wasn't in your bio.
1: Where are you from? What do you do? So, I am from Spain. I'm currently not doing much. (laughs) I just finished my master's uh, degree in molecular biology and biomedicine. So, yes, I'm a biologist and I'm, you know, searching for work and Just doing all of the fandom stuff that I didn't do while I was finishing my thesis.
0: (laughs) That sounds amazing, actually. It kind of is. So, what do you want to work in the future? Do you have any certain plans, certain directions?
1: So, the easiest direction right now is to find any kind of lab work that I can do. Biology is a very wide field, so sometimes it's a little difficult to find a lab that's doing something that you really, really like. But the plan so far is to find anything that will let me get into a lab and then from there sort of figure it out. I could do a PhD, um, which would be the easiest way to sort of go up and forward in my field. But I'm a little burnt out from my undergrad and then my master's thesis, so I'm... Looking for something to just work on instead of just studying forever, forever after. Um, so that's the plan so far. And then on the side, I will keep writing fics. And if the inspiration strikes for original work and I get an opportunity, then that might happen. But I don't. I don't have any stakes on that one.
0: <laughs> Sounds definitely interesting. You will have to keep me in a loop of what's going to happen. What's the first fandom you actually ended up in? So, your buyer says wasn't your first, so where did it start?
1: So, I don't actually remember my first fandom as in the first thing I was super passionate about. I remember vaguely that when I was about 10 or 11, I was really into Naruto. And that might have been the first thing I actually looked up online So in terms of online fandom, I think it all started with Naruto AMVs on YouTube, (laughs) which is uh, an experience. (laughs) I'm that kid who was jamming it to AMVs with the, how what's this song called? The one for Cascada. Ah, I'm blanking on the name right now, and I have it on my Spotify dropped list. So the, um, every time we touch, yeah. Every time we touch was like definitely up there when I was ten or eleven. And I was that kid. So yeah, it, in terms of online fandom, it all started there.
0: <laughs> sounds interesting. I watched the T V show, well the the show on TV, but um not for many episodes, so my Naruto knowledge is very limited, <laughs> I
1: fear. <laughs> oh no, mine too. I mean I watched maybe like two seasons and I, I followed it up until like the ninja exams that they take and then things start going really weird and there's a lot of filler and I just I fell off the wagon because because I had a lot of things to occupy my mind I also got briefly into teen titans and then I had books a book series that to this day is my home fandom so Naruto was the start but it didn't it definitely didn't stop very long there
0: (laughs) so I collected a few extra questions for you and Tartansi asked Which three books, other than Good Omens, have you read that you
1: feel changed your life? Uh, The first one has to be The Name by Marianne Curley, and this is that book that I was mentioning. Um, It's actually a trilogy. I'm not going to answer the question with, oh, those three books, because that's cheating. But those three books, um, we're just going to count them as one, and definitely the first one just literally changed my life. When I was 11, I found that book, The Name, by Marianne Curley, on my classroom mini-library. And I read it. I loved the setting. And now that I'm older, and because I love it and I'm still in the fandom, uh, even though the fandom is pretty much dead, <laughs> uh, I can now criticize it with uh, you know, an adult brain and realize that it's not a very good book. Because it's not very well-written. Not because the plot isn't interesting. The plot is actually super interesting. The characters are, are actually really, like, they have depth and they are very different from one another. They have very distinct personalities. And I think most of the character interactions are very good, uh, very realistic, I, I'd say. The plot itself and the way it's written is, is nothing to write home about. But the when I was that young, I was starting to write my own fics. Um, Like I said, I, everything started with Naruto and I found out about fanfiction.net, and I don't know if AO3 was around, or if I knew about it, but I definitely knew about fanfiction. And I started to write, and I've always been the kind of writer that really likes character interaction. My stories are always character-driven. So having a story where the characters were really, really interesting, I think it let me play around with writing a lot more. I wrote a lot more fanfic in Spanish. I, at the time, I was only writing in Spanish. I was not good with English yet. And because the fandom is tiny, even then it was super tiny. Uh, it was primarily in English because the book is uh, from a, an Australian author. So I had to learn English. I had to get a lot better. And it was the start of me writing in English and eventually getting to the point I am now. So that's the first book. That to this day, I still think that if I hadn't read that book, I wouldn't be here. Other books that have changed me. Interestingly enough, I don't think Harry Potter was ever one of those books for me, even though I've read it and it's, I've had a Harry Potter phase like everybody has. That probably wasn't it for me. Definitely had a very much more intense Twilight phase when I was about 13 or 14. I don't know if I'd say it changed me necessarily, but it definitely pushed my writing forward, and this might be a trend with the books I read, because I, whenever I read or consume any media that really touches me, I write about it. (laughs) So I definitely wrote about Twilight a lot. And in terms of other books, I can't think of specific books right now, but I know there's this Spanish author, um, Laura Gallego, who wrote a ton of books that really sort of marked my childhood and early adolescence known um, that I can just think maybe the Tower Chronicles or I don't know how to translate it. I don't know if her books are translated into English but um, yeah, some of them were school books, but most of them I had read already by the time they were they became school reading because yeah she was very she was very out there when I was a kid. Um, she's still she's still there. she, she writes primarily for young kids or young teens, so it's not so much uh, what I read right now, but I, she was very young, she was a very young author, and I sort of saw something I-, I-, I liked, something I admired in her. She had won writing prizes when she was about the age I was at the time, so I guess I was inspired to keep writing by her as an author, and just in general, her books. So, yeah. Cool question, though.
0: Yes, I thought so, too. And just for the record, I have written a lot about Harry Potter and read a lot, but it never changed my life, so... (laughs) I don't know.
1: I don't know. I've heard a lot of people say that Harry Potter and the saga and the community has changed their lives, and I'm super happy for them. It just wasn't for me particularly. I think I was slightly too young.
0: Okay. I was actually old when I read those already, so... (laughs) (laughs) I was too old to wait for my own letter to arrive, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so um, this actually goes very well with um, the question that Compass Rose has for you. I'm curious to know if you're involved in Spanish language fandom at all. And if so, if you notice any differences from English language fandom.
1: No, no, I'm not anymore. (laughs) I used to be because obviously that's the, the first my mother tongue. But I'm no longer involved in, fa- in Spanish fandom because I got too used to writing and reading in English most of my content. And I think this is something that people who speak any other languages um, might relate to, even if it's not their mother tongue. It's just when you read in a different language, the normal, quote unquote, normal set of expressions that you hear, the set of words that you sort of associate with different genres, it just sort of changes. And even if it's translated really well, the translator has done a job of interpretation of the original work and has translated that into words that might mean something slightly different, but will have a proper feeling in the language that they are translating to. So very often when I get used to a piece of content in English, it's very hard for me to go back to Spanish and be like, oh, this is called whatever in Spanish, like... For example, I read the original Harry Potter books in Spanish, but I have consumed so much Harry Potter content in English that at this point I have no interest whatsoever in knowing what a Illuminator is called in in Spanish. I think I know what it's called, but I don't. I don't associate that word to it. So for me, it's very difficult to go to Spanish fandom and be like, oh, I relate to this because I don't. I don't relate to it anymore. Is it very different? I'm not entirely sure. I assume it is because the set of countries that speak Spanish, especially because Latin America is so big in population compared to Spain, are very different culturally uh culturally, or yeah, they are very different to the set of countries that primarily speak English. So I assume there must be differences there, but I wouldn't say much more on that. I, I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. You just
0: reminded me of something, actually. I used to write in the um, Digimon fandom, and I preferred gay pairings. And I would get the weirdest comments on that, because I dared to break up their heterosexual favorite pairings. For some reason, um, Digimon is really
1: big in South America, I can actually speak on that, because Digimon was big when I was a kid, and I wasn't super big into it. Um, I was into it because I had a lot of friends who were, but I wasn't, like, the biggest fan. I was a Pokemon fan. Um, but I remember, because I have family in Latin America, and I used to visit when I was younger very often, I would watch TV there, and it would air in, in like, kids' channels. It was, it, it was always primarily a kid show, so I would not be surprised if the average age of the Digimon fandom was very young, especially at the time. And also, um, from what I understand, and and I will add a caveat that I actually am not a person who has lived or grown up in Latin America, but from what I understand from my family and, and what my parents tell me and stuff, there is a lot more heteronormativity over there than in some other countries I mean, you you and I are, have a very European context for things, so it's a lot different in that sense.
0: Yeah, I just wasn't sure if it was really a culture thing or an age thing or anything. I really don't have enough experience. And it was just Digimon where I had this experience, so I don't know.
1: It, was, it just reminded me of that. And I mean, I guess it's... Um to be expected that if the audience is younger, they haven't had the time to go through the loops of you know, teenage and just figuring out what you think is normal for your own, for yourself right? Like if if heteronormativity is imposed to you a lot stronger than in other countries, and you're still a kid I I wouldn't be too surprised if they were, you know not outraged, but disjointed when they saw you writing gay fanfiction for a kid's For a kids' program.
0: Although it was less the aspect of two guys together, it was just breaking up their pairing, which makes it an age thing for me. Like, they were really invested in certain pairings that I dared to break up and have be together with somebody else. I don't know, so probably just an age thing. So, your bio says you liked um book omens and show omens. Have you listened to radio omens?
1: Not yet. It's in my phone waiting for me to have a minute. <laughs> um but yeah, no, I not yet. I've heard good things though.
0: So if you had to choose between book omens and show omens, which one would win?
1: I think show omens because I had wanted to read Good Omens for quite a few years before the show came out. It had been in my to-read list, which is uh, becoming a, a thing with me. But it had been there for a while, and I knew vaguely what it was about, but I didn't. I hadn't actually started to read it. And I did really enjoy the writing voice and the way, just the way it's written in general. But I did get into the whole fandom because of the show I love the expressions that both a- both main actors um, used for their character for Zerville and Crowley so I I just have good memories of slowly but surely getting into the fandom because of them and definitely reading the book was a good experience and I really enjoyed the book but it, it really all clicked for me with the show
0: How did you find Crown of Thoughts?
1: I was in a Good Omen server, and Lit was talking about it. And I was like, okay, what is this about? And after figuring out that the summary was difficult... Summarizing Crown Thorns is really difficult, really. Even now that I've more or less figured out what it is about, it's still difficult to put it together into a couple of sentences. I, at first, didn't really think that I would want to be part of the story itself, and then realized wait, hold on, I do want to be part of the project and I can probably help with like anything that is not voice acting on a main character.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So at first you didn't even want to do a voice? You just wanted to help out in other ways?
1: Yes. Originally I was only an organizer. I wasn't even in social media. I. So this is not a dig on the story in any way whatsoever. The story is very well written. I very much have enjoyed Uh, I haven't read the entire thing uh, but I have read most of it through helping with um, coding, uh, color coding but I I'm very self-aware and I know that slice of life kind of stories don't hold my attention for very long and this was very long (laughs) so I didn't want to join in a project that I I was sure that a lot of people would want to and I didn't want to take up a space that other people would enjoy more so I didn't consider voice acting for it, no. Cool.
0: So you started out as organizer, and then?
1: I started off as organizer because at the time I was in the middle of my master's degree. I hadn't started on my thesis, but I was. I had a lot of subjects and classes, and I had a very long commute, so I didn't know how much time I would have. So I started off, um, like I said, helping with color coding the text for the chapters um, for actually most of the i don't i wouldn't say the second half but the maybe the last third of the chapters i guess i i st- started out helping with that so that's how i ended up reading the, la- the latter half of the story or <laughs> before i actually knew what the story was about and then it sort of happened that they were asking for editors and a head editor and i wasn't sure i wasn't confident in my editing skills at the time so I didn't participate, but I felt a little bad because I, I think at least that I'm good or decent at keeping track of things and people and sort of organizing, which is why I joined as an organizer. And I would have wanted to help with that, but um, re-took that position, and thank God, because I don't know if I had that kind of time <laughs> back then. And um, I ended up helping with social media, which no one was really sure how we were going to do. So I decided, why not? Just... Well, that's then the perfect place for you.
0: If keeping an eye on everything is your thing, then that's the best place to be, right? I don't know if in the past interviews you have spoken about color coding, so I just wanted to make sure to explain it in case that people don't know what you're talking about.
1: Right. I have. You weren't there for it because... uh... Wasn't your interview, uh? And it hasn't gone up yet as we are recording this. But uh, I did speak about this with Lady Lear for a little bit because she actually started off the entire color coding process. But I can I, I can talk about it again briefly. So uh, the text was divided. It's already divided into chapters. Then it was divided into sections, and someone I'm actually not sure who, but maybe Lit or someone one of the early organizers figure out a color-coding system for every character, and someone just coded all of those into a uh, style in Word. So whenever we downloaded the document with a blank chapter, we, the people who were color-coding, was we would have to go through the dialogue and sort of to each paragraph, give it the style of the character who was talking. So if it was ZeroFel or Crowley or any of the other characters, or pick... um one of the minor character styles for those characters that appeared only once um, and sort of uh, put it on bold if it was dialogue that the voice actor would have to read or unbolded if it was um, not dialogue, uh, narration that the narrator would have to read, etc. Just so it would be visually easy for the voice actors to then go download the chapter and record their parts. So And this way it's also easier for the editors who need to put the lines into the the full chapter whenever they are looking to see if they are missing a line. It's also easier that way. So I help with that.
0: Yes, as an editor, I definitely love the colors. And I do think in colors. If I have a quick (laughs) look over a chapter, I will know who's in it without seeing any overview or templates or anything just by the colors. (laughs) <laughs> like the main characters not
1: not in the side characters but the main characters you right. will recognize at some point oh you will yes also you have edited chapters with a ton more vAs than me i have also edited stuff i started off not wanting to but whenever when i started editing i was like okay i'm going to take this chapter it has only two vAs in the narrator because i'm a baby <laughs> but i imagine if you have 15 uh, 15 vAs you definitely need the color-coded. Yeah. <laughs> Without question, it's really helpful. Well, it wasn't my idea, but it was definitely something that I immediately realized, oh yeah, this is going to be needed. <laughs> Let me help. So,
0: what did you like about that work, and what did you hate?
1: I really like the sort of mindless aspect of it, because and maybe this is not so for everybody who color-coded. I could just sort of hold control that Key in the keyboard control and go down with the arrows. I don't know if like a lot of people know this, but if you press control, the down or up keys will just skip paragraph to paragraph. And I could just be like, "Who's talking?" and color code that way. So I would be like, hold control down, skip down, and every two lines, I would be like, "This is Crowley." So I would start with one color, let's say Crowley for example, because I just said it, and I would go through an entire chapter and just press control. Y, the letter Y, and it repeats the last action you did. So I would just be like control down 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 Y down, down 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 Y until I got all of the Crowley lines. And then I would repeat the same process with like every other VA and it was very mindless. I could just sort of skip through the story and have like the vague idea of what happened without getting too many spoilers. And also it just I enjoy passing my time like that and having music on the background or something like that. And at the time when I was doing this I was on a holiday with my family. This was before um, COVID, which seems strange because it's only been a year. But we were on holiday for a couple of days and we had a lot of time in the car. So I could just either do that, rest my eyes and look at the scenery for a little while and then keep doing that. It was just relaxing and fun. What I didn't like was having to um, revise that afterwards because... And I didn't do this... At the very beginning, at the very beginning in December, I wasn't doing that. but at some point through the recording process during the year, it became very obvious that some of the chapters weren't exactly right or had like coding mistakes, which some were mine and some weren't and it's it just happens. it's going to happen no matter what. So it's always good to have a, a better reader in those cases. And because I was already sort of doing that, I sort of had to go through the chapters and see if they were properly color coded. That I didn't like as much because I'm a very bad rereader of things, of my own things, other people's things, it doesn't matter. I'm bad at rereading content that I have already gone through, <laughs> so that wasn't fun per se. It had to be done and it got done, but it wasn't fun.
0: I'm very grateful for that tip. I have never done it like that. I have prepared many multi voice. <laughs> um, texts by now, and I always do it line by line because I'm terrified that I would skip something, and as you said, it always happens it always happens, yeah, you can do it with as much concentration as you want, you will mess up at some point it just happens, yeah, really bad are the situations where um somebody says the name of somebody else,
1: oh yeah, when you're like reading super quickly and then you're like oh it says a zero fail and then you tag a zero fail and turns out it's crowley saying his name
0: exactly and i have the same (laughs) issue when i'm editing (laughs) like i know crowley is speaking but i would still open a zero fail instead and wonder where the line is (laughs) oh yeah god's that all the time yeah what else did you do as an organizer Or um, did you move on to social media mostly from there?
1: Hmm. So when I started on the social media team, we figured out which platforms we were going to use. And I don't think I was there alone doing that. I think it was just a combination of the people who were talking, um, which platforms we were comfortable with. And I think some of them had already been picked, obviously, for the announcements of or recruiting people which I wasn't there for. I didn't join at the very, very, very beginning. Because, again, I wanted to... I didn't think I would want to voice act, so I just didn't realize I could do something else. So I joined a little later on. And by then, I think the Tumblr and Twitter were already up. I don't know about the Instagram. Not entirely sure. Maybe it was there and I don't remember. Um, because even today, I don't do a lot of with the Instagram, and that's mostly Reyes Dominion. But... We had to figure out the templates for the posts, so anyone who's been looking at all of the social media will have noticed that most of our posts are always the same, just changing the actual chapters and the actual content of the chapters and the links and stuff like that. So the template itself had to be created. I vaguely remember having a brief meltdown because I wasn't sure what to write, and I was already doing that. <laughs> so I think it was a... I think rehauled held in Compass. Possibly, I don't remember. This was back in, if not December, January. But yeah, I remember being there for that. So I remember creating the templates and putting together the, the Google Docs uh, with the templates. Also figuring out the positioning of all the text and everything for the Instagram. I remember also helping with that. And I also remember being in the car when I was doing this. But I was no longer on vacation, so I cannot remember where I was. <laughs> I don't drive in case anyone's worried. My parents, my father was driving probably, but I don't remember where to was or why was I ignoring the general conversation to do this while I was on a car on my phone. But I was doing that. So I remember helping with that. And then after we also, like, it it was just a joint effort. So I was there for, like, a lot of the conversation of when are we posting things. So it was when the schedule for uh, minus 24 hours, minus 12 hours, and then posting hour was drafted. And we've kept with that. And yeah, after that, it was just a matter of learning to do the posting, which took a couple of chapters and then became very automatic. Right now I have an alarm every day at uh, currently 10 minutes to 9 in the morning and 10 minutes to 9 in the evening, and then I go, oh, is it a posting day? If yes, I prepare my things and I post. If not, I just ignore the alarm. <laughs> um, I also have alar- uh, reminders on my calendar, so if I look at the alarm and my calendar notification says nothing, then it's not a posting date. It's just very automatic by now. I also have drafts and all of that, so it's just... You know, we got used to that. I Originally, I was doing all, of, all three um, social media accounts. Eventually, uh, because it was a little bit too much, I asked for help, and Rhi is taking currently care of the Instagram. The only thing I post on Instagram are the teasers, because time zones. So I post the teasers, and I post the... Uh, What's it called? The interview question thingies and all of those because of time zones again. So yeah, that's something I did with the social media team, Help start posting. I have been in a couple, I think I've been in most, if not all, of the voice call meetings that we've had ever since I joined. So I probably have helped uh, sort of brainstorm a couple of ideas for events because events are kind of a social media thing so i've been there for that i've probably bothered compass with graphics more than anyone should have bothered compass with graphics (laughs) um (laughs) sorry compass i accidentally asked uh, nutary for a music piece and then realized oh no i'm asking for a music piece (laughs) um what else have i done I don't remember... <laughs> this is hilarious. I don't remember who came up with the idea for interviews, but I do remember volunteering to run them, so I guess that's on me. And that has been on me for the rest of the project. The it's It's been on me scheduling them, um, sort of asking for the transcript, which um, AJM has been taking care of at least most of the time, and re obviously, for help with um, head editing. But yeah... The recording, the scheduling with the people and the interviewees, and the actual editing has been me so far, until today, where (laughs) you have hijacked the thing. And yeah, uh, I don't know if I've done a lot more than that, actually.
0: (laughs) Well, it was (laughs) a (laughs) lot. It's not nothing. It's not nothing, no. (laughs) You actually jumped ahead to a question that Akima had for you.
1: What gave you the idea to make interviews for Crown of Thorns but Drama? Or what made you want to do interviews? I don't remember who came up with the idea. I do remember being very interested in the thought. It was clearly very social media oriented and I was already seeing myself as, you know, the social media person. Not the social media person as in the only one, but I... And, like, again, I don't want to say this is a bragging thing, it's just that I was already doing a lot of things in social media. So I just went, hey, this is something I can do and I can use my voice, even though I'm not a voice actor, I can sort of put myself a little bit more out there, right? And I also get to know all of these people who are fandom peers that I just don't know yet, so... We're in the same project, and I guess it's difficult to get to know one another when time zones exist, and not everyone is super active on Discord. Clearly, there are people here in the project who have had a ton more podfic experience than others. Not to mention Potters, who is a, a goddess. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I just wanted to sort of have a chance to hear everyone, especially because I'm better at talking to people one-to-one, or one on one, I guess is the expression, instead of in a group. the um, The Discord is great. I love talking to people in the Discord, but it's mostly a work environment or a workspace. It's not like it's not super strict. We we have times where we joke around and it's it's fun, but it's generally left for organizing and and sort of recording things and messages there's a lot of hey this chapter is up or hey reminders for whenever voice actors need to turn in things so it's it's not the same as having a conversation and yeah I'm just not good at, at group conversations anyway so I just decided hey this is something I can do I can ask questions and if nothing else I can listen to people so yeah
0: I have another question from gorillas girl 86 for you Hi, Lena. it's Mags, and I'd like to ask you a question if that's quite all right. And what I would like to know is if you learned anything about yourself or you found a skill you didn't know you had at the start of the Crown of Thorns process. Thank you.
1: Oh, gods. So this year has been strange for everybody, right? (laughs) So I don't know if this is something I've learned. It's just something that has been really cemented in for me is that I... um, Not the kind of person who will jump into leadership at first. Or not even leadership, just sort of opportunities to put myself out there at first. And then if I see that it's necessary and no one else is doing it, I will fight to do it because I feel like a strong responsibility to bring my projects to the best they can be. And I'm sadly the kind of person that... I need to be the one doing things if I want to be entirely 100% sure that it's going to get done. It's not a good thing, like, all the time. (laughs) I have, through the project, I've had many times where I've been like, I can't do everything and I already know that if I let myself, I will want to. And I'm not going to do this to myself. So definitely this project has been an exercise on not doing everything that I... Wanted or thought I could possibly do, so there's there's one point which is you know it's either it's neither good nor bad. It's just situationally good whenever something needs to get done and I can jump in and help. And could have been a lot worse if I sort of wanted to put every single minute of my free time into this. It could have been a lot worse for everybody involved. <laughs> um, so that's something I've if not learned, exercised I guess. Um. In terms of new things, definitely the interviews. I had never interviewed anybody before, and I'm very sure I haven't gone back and listened, and I probably will have to, but I'm not relishing the idea of going back to listen to the first one. (laughs) I'm sure it was very awkward. I think the idea of recording an interview felt really overwhelming and, like oh no, what are they going to think? Are are they going to think my questions are stupid? Or am I going to be able to sort of keep track of everything, like all of the information I'm hearing and respond in a way that feels like I've been listening and not only just like I'm following a a script of questions, which is definitely something I I learned as I went, right? Like I didn't start out trying to ask all of the follow-up questions that I ended up following up other people with. So yeah, the, the interviews have been the learning curve. And uh, and also social media, for sure. I've never had a social media presence uh, like in my personal life. Yeah, sure, I had social media accounts, but not a social media presence. I don't have a lot of followers or anywhere. So it was uh, interesting taking care of something that I knew I could do, but I had never done before. I was familiar with the platforms I was using, but I had never tried to use them in this capacity before. It has been... If not a learning curve, an interesting take on something I hadn't done in that way before.
0: I can definitely relate to most of that. <laughs> like, <laughs> trying to do this interview for you is, uh, is also a learning curve in itself. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's hard to do that. To find the correct way to not interrupt and to um, steer the questions where you want them to go but still show interest in what the person who's interviewed is actually saying. Like you said, you are listening and you are trying to make it interesting and show that you find what the other person says interesting as well, which it is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. On the other hand, you have this list of questions you want to get through and you have to find a proper way in between. So I totally
1: get that. For the record, if you need to interrupt me, because I definitely know I can't talk too much. And if you have like a ton of questions to get to, uh, I will understand.
0: <laughs> the thing is, I'm trying to do the questions you usually do, but I'm trying not to repeat all the questions, because in at least in the later interviews, you did already tell things about yourself. So we already know some of these things. And we want to keep it interesting, so it's a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> right. You became a voice actor at some point. So tell us about that. How did that happen? Right. Since you initially didn't <laughs> want to.
1: <laughs> okay, so the first one was um, Mary. And I'm not going to lie, uh, it was a pinch head they needed help, and again, here's me being like, I could do this, and this project I'm participating on, I want it to be the best I can, so if they need a voice, I will voice that character. So me being me, I just said, yeah, I'll do it, and then realized, who's this character? Without realizing that it's actually a canon character. Um, yes, I know, I'm the worst. Um, (laughs) so... (laughs) I had the same issue with Mary, so (laughs) I think you're excused. (laughs) I did quickly realize who she was, but again, I. So I'm not used to her surname. <laughs> I Th- definitely the most recognizable part of her is the loquacious part, not the actual surname part. Uh, I think it's uh, Hodges, right? Um. So yeah, I did not. It did not click for me that it was Mary loquacious. When it did, I. Yeah, I just went like, oh, okay, so I'm being her. That's fine. That's cool. I speak a lot. I relate. (laughs) Um, Sorry, by the way.
0: You shouldn't. It's your interview. (laughs) Talk what you want. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um, But yeah, I I sort of... I went into the chapters that I had to voice her for. I downloaded them. I looked for the color-coded thing. I went, oh, I color-coded some of these. (laughs) And I went, this is me then. I just tried to do a voice where she wasn't exactly the show version of her, because I know this is not a show-oriented story. The story was written with the book characters in mind, and I wanted to, to sort of keep that up, keep that theme going. But I'm not sure how well I managed to do that, because her so her dialogue both in the text, so in the book, and in the show is pretty much the same. So, she's very well represented in the show. I tried not to give her the exact same intonation that she has in the show, but, you know, there's only so many ways to make someone talk that is just someone who talks a lot. (laughs) So, yeah, I did my best and I didn't overthink it. I mean, she's a really minor character in the big scheme of things, so, yeah, I did that. And then for Rashid, um, that was also another pinch hit. I was never a voice actor, but I did join the pinch header for voice actors after a while, because if it was a short enough thing, even while I was doing my uh, master's thesis, I could contribute a short thing. So Rashid, I actually... And I think there was someone else, I believe it was Teska, who offered to do Rashid, but I, I sort of offered, hoping that I would get... Rashid and then Tesca seemed fine with the idea, and then I just did his voice because Rashid gets introduced in a chapter in the middle of the story. I sorry, I have no idea what chapter that is, but it's one that also came up in the interview with um, the second interview with AJ. He is an external point of view, he has no lines in that chapter. He's an external point of view on Ezero and Crowley. And in that chapter, there are a bunch of external points of view, and I remember color... If I didn't color-code it, I at least uh, read that chapter for uh, as a better reader for the color-coding. And I remember Rashid standing out to me the most, being one of those that I was, like, really sort of immersed in his point of view and the way he saw the main characters. I really like uh, external points of view in, in a lot of things, but Good Omens has a lot of fixed like that, not just this particular chapter. I've read a lot of those sort of on Tumblr and stuff because these are two characters that do not change through the times. And so humans are bound to find them interesting one way or another. I mean, I guess we have an entire fandom who finds them interesting one way or another. But yeah, Rashid's re- definitely stood out to me and... The perspective of someone who has had these two people in his life for so long, who probably has what we now call a parasocial relationship with them, sort of the way we interact with influencers and YouTubers and social media presences, in that we know them, and they sort of know we exist as their followers, and in this case as their waiter, but they don't know us by face or by name, whereas we know them really well that relationship that Rashid has with Crowley and Aziraphale was really interesting to me. And it, I don't know, it resonated with me in a weird way and I just really liked him. So getting to voice him was, you know, really, really nice. I don't know if cathartic is the word, but it was definitely something I really enjoyed. So I'm glad that I got to voice um, Rashid after all. Yeah.
0: It's always fun to be able to read a part in a voice, but if you get the part you want, that's even better. And it doesn't have to be a main character or anything. Sometimes I don't even want the main character role, Right. I just want the one person I relate to most, so I can understand that. Okay, so, your bio mentions a YouTube channel and I found that most interesting. How do you have a YouTube channel about writing?
1: Um, okay, so there's an entire community of writers in YouTube. It's called AuthorTube, though I hear that they are recently starting to call it also CreatorTube. But mostly uh, mostly called AuthorTube. There has been a lot of fighting about the name, because of the definition of author versus a writer, and who's uh, sort of quote-unquote deserves to be an author, and all of that. So that's their own prerogative. I am Sort of in the in the edges of that community, in the sense that I don't intend to become a published author. It's not my current goal at all, um, and I write primarily fan fiction, if not always fan fiction. So that's not very common in the author tip community. But I have followed them for a very long time. I am. Um, they have sort of not coached me, but helped me through getting better at writing and sort of elevating my hobby of writing to a place where I can, you know, confidently say that I'm good at it. I'm not the best, and I don't think I know or you will know any writer who go, oh yeah, I'm the best writer. But yeah, I, I have followed them for a long time, and I like the content they make, but I also wanted to do this as a way of reminding myself of my own writing journey, because I have a horrible memory. <laughs> and... Um, and especially this year, which has been so, so weird, just sort of having semi periodic updates of what I've written, when, uh, how I was feeling at the time, what I've been doing sort of creatively in that particular aspect of my life. It sort of appeals to me, sort of in a journalistic way of my own life, uh, to look back on it. I don't have a lot of followers, I actually don't know how many I have, it's on the low 20s, because I don't know, at least five are people I know in real life. Um, <laughs> and I don't know who the rest are, and if they look, my YouTube statistics says they don't, but I again, I don't really make my videos for them, not yet, and like I said, I don't have a lot of social media presence, so I don't sort of advertise my videos anywhere, really. It's kind of crazy to say I started the channel last year on November because of NaNoWriMo last year. And I literally just posted my NaNoWriMo wrap-up this year. So yeah, it's interesting. I started it, like I said, for journaling and keeping track of my own writing. And it's still that like that, except now I have a better grasp on what I want to do with it than I did last year when I started on a whim.
0: (laughs) I didn't know about the channel before I prepared the interview today, so I went over and had a look. And I found it interesting. I didn't have time to listen to a lot yet, but I saw your NaNoWriMo summary you did at the end there, and where you explaining how that's going? And I saw one from before these, and can I just point out that I love the wallpaper? The giraffe <laughs> wallpaper? That's amazing.
1: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Giraffes are my favorite animal and that's like the tiny part of my room you get to see. My entire room is coated in them. I have too many plushes and they're stuck in a like in a drawer under my bed too. Uh when we moved into this place years ago, my parents I was I was still quite young and my parents uh bought me the giraffe paper and it was just the coolest thing on this earth, and honestly it still is. It slaps. The only thing that's bad about it and you will never guess what it is the only thing that is bad about my wallpaper is in summer, because it's you know, a pattern that, pe- that the giraffes use to disguise themselves um, mosquitoes are super difficult to find
0: <laughs> Okay, I see <laughs> <laughs> I did Think about spiders, because I used to have uh, bed linens that had ends all over it as the pattern. Oh, God. I had more than once where something would be running suddenly, because I didn't see the spider before, because it got lost on the pattern, so I'm not using that
1: anymore. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, uh, the wallpaper is on the part of the room that, like, my bed is, so... um. No, like spiders would be sort of visible. And if they are higher up in the ceiling, I don't bother them and they don't bother me. Um, Mosquitoes, on the other hand, do bother me, so yeah. (laughs) In fact, if you go back on my YouTube, you will see that some of the videos have like a sort of wide. Cloth between me and the wallpaper, and that's because in summer I put up a mosquito net around my bed. It sort of looks like a I don't know, like a princess bed or something. It's just a mosquito net hung from the ceiling, because I I don't know why. It's just all of the mosquitoes end up in my room. We have other rooms and other people in the house, but it's they all they all are in my room. (laughs) They like me. In Germany, we say you have sweet blood. Yeah, I've heard that in Spain as well. I do not care for having sweet blood.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine.
1: <laughs> I'm also mildly allergic, so it's not, not great.
0: Oh, yeah, okay, that's that's not fun at all. So, there's one, I think it was um, one question over Twitter that you are aware of, so I will ask you that now. <laughs> Although it's technically not really a question.
1: I've got a question for Lena. What's it like to be such a delightful sweetheart? And do you know how much we all love and appreciate you? Because we do! A whole bunch. <laughs> I have seen that, yes. I... Thank you, Izzy. Thank you so much. I... I guess I would know, but I don't know what, how to answer <laughs> I, uh... I don't always... So this this goes back to the idea that the chat, the Discord chat, is mostly work related. Is that we have, you know, you say something and people react with an emoji when they have seen it. I don't know. It's it's not the kind of place where you go like, oh yeah, we appreciate you or like talk about like this kind of thing. I imagine we will have a thank you fest whenever this is over. But it's not. I don't know. It's I, I guess it's just I'm trying to say it's It's really nice to hear that and, and thank you.
0: I think we just all enjoyed um, our interviews a lot, and we just want to let you
1: know. Thank you. It it really means a lot. I used to be that kid who didn't know how to talk to people and make friends, and I've sort of worked on that as I went, and I guess I found my niche in having one-to-one conversations where I think at least I hope I'm, I'm decent at listening to people and making them feel like I'm listening and sort of being empathetic and I hope that's that's what I hope I do (laughs) generally (laughs) so thank you
0: you're very welcome and I'm very sure that we all had a lot of fun and that you made us feel very safe and happy and in a good place to talk to you and reveal things about ourselves so thanks for that well you're welcome (laughs) Which one do you prefer at the moment, writing or creating podfics?
1: It's an odd balance for me, so it depends on what I'm used to doing. Like I, I carry momentum with my creativeness. So right before real I was really into podfics, especially editing, because I had a lot of unedited podfic. I still do. And I also was uh, recording stuff for ITPE treats, I had a lot of time invested into that before November and now that I have spent a month sort of drafting and writing I'm definitely more invested into writing. I'm currently editing my uh gift for the Chronothors Christmas exchange and I'm also editing some stuff that I want to put out this month. I'm doing cri- uh not Christmas, sorry. I'm doing winter prompts for The Witcher. So yeah, writing all over the place. And I need to go back to editing audio because uh, ITB is coming up. So I I definitely... Right now, in this moment as we are talking, I'm more into writing. I probably should switch sometime soon.
0: But you do enjoy both equally, it sounds like it. Well, not the editing, I know about that, but (laughs) in general, creating portraits.
1: Yeah, no, definitely not. Not the editing. It's easier to do the editing for podfake. It's harder to actually sit down and edit podfake than it is to sit down and edit um writing. Well, I guess it depends on how much I want to edit either. But yeah, editing is not my thing. But I do it. I, I do it. So yeah, I, I enjoy both equally, yes. Lina's last traditional question.
0: Tell us where people can find you on the internet.
1: Where can people find me online? So I have recently finally changed all of my social media to be Lena Lollipop. And that's um L E N A L A W L I P O P um Lena Lollipop. And that you will find me in AO3 as Lena Lollipop. You will find me on Twitter, you will find me on Tumblr. Oh and YouTube is Lena Reads.
0: As usual, we will have the links to your social media on the transcript for this interview in case people don't want to type. And that's it for today. Thank you very much for the interview, Lena. Thank you for having me. And please tell us, what will you have next time for your listeners?
1: For not quite next week, but uh, the time this is being posted, it's already... Actually, this is posted after Christmas, so happy... Uh, holidays, everyone, and for the next and the final interview that uh, the Crown of Thorns team is going to offer, we're going to be talking to Literarian again because the year is finishing, the project is finishing, and we want to know what her thoughts are now that everything has happened. So keep your ears ready for that. Hey, Lena, this is Lit. I just wanted to say thank you for all of your work on Crown of Thorns this year, for taking care of all of these interviews, which have been amazing. And I get to be interviewed by you again, and I'm already looking forward to that. And you've done an amazing job with everything, with the interviews, with the questions, with the organization, with all of the social media stuff that you've done, with everything. So thank you. I really appreciated it. And I, for one, certainly couldn't have finished this project without your help. Thank you so much, Lena, for your
0: hard work on the project and on these interviews in particular. It was a pleasure to speak
1: with you twice um, and to listen to your conversations with um, the rest of our lovely participants as well. Thanks, Lena and the
0: team, for all your hard work on the interviews from Podfix. Lena, thank you so much for putting together these interviews and all of the hard work you've put into it, on top of all of the other hard work that you've done for this project. I've really enjoyed learning more about the diverse lives and experiences of everybody on our cast and crew. It's been truly a pleasure. And thanks also to everyone else who has put in work on these interviews. I think that this little piece of the project has added so much to the project as a whole and um, I'm just really pleased to have been involved and to have been included. Thanks again. Thank you so much to everyone who contributed to Crown of Thorns. It's been an amazing experience working with such creative and driven individuals and I am so proud to have been able to take part. Thank you. Hi Lena. it's Re. Thank you for putting so much effort into these interviews. It's been so fun listening to all the stories from our cast and crew and I had a blast at my own interview as well. You've been an absolute star. Thank you so much.
1: Hi Lena, this is Green and you'll probably identify me right away thanks to that poor English accent. Thank you ever so much for your hard work and enthusiasm interviewing each one of us. It was an amazing experience to talk with you and even more to listen to all the cast and crew stories. We are a very diverse one, and I learned a lot doing so, thanks to you. So I can't wait to listen to what you'll have to say in your upcoming talk.
0: Thank you, Lena, for everything you've done for the project. You are amazing. I hope we'll get to work together again in the future. Hi, Nutari here. I wanted to thank the whole Crown of Thoughts Podrama interview team, and especially Lina, who was a delight to be interviewed by. So thank you
1: again. Thank you so much for everything you've done. It really does mean the world to us all. Thank you so much for taking the time to interview me, Lena. It was really fun talking to you. Thank you, Lena. You're the best. Thank you! Thank you, Lena, for all your hard work and for introducing me to so many wonderful people. You're the best.
0: Hi, Lena. I hope you like our little surprise for you at the end and I wanted to take the time to tell you thank you for having us on these interviews and I wanted to say thank you to the rest of the team who worked on the interviews as well. You all did a wonderful job and I'm very glad to have been able to work with you. Thanks!